morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. Turn there with me if you would. Hebrews 10, verse 36. I know Pastor Chad will talk more about this later, but I want to welcome all of our guests. Thank you so much for being with us today. So good to see you here. Today we are talking about this. It's kind of a, the title is a question. It's a question that we'll all have to ask ourselves. Are we going to live our lives in flesh or faith? The title is flesh or faith. You know, the purposes of God often develop much slower than we wish they would. Is that correct? God does things, and we've heard it many, many times, but he does things in his timing, and and it's very rarely ever soon enough for us. Heard that statement, God is never late. He's always on time, but he's always just, you know, just barely, <laughs> just barely before. You know, we always get so far ahead of of where we want him to be. There was a, a preacher many, many years ago, and he was well-known up in the New England area. His name was Phillips Brooks. And he was just known to be a guy that was uh, very poised, and he had a very quiet manner. And whenever he would get uh, oh frustrated or irritable, though, his, his temperament would change just a little bit, and enough for folks to notice. And and uh, one day they said that this pastor was just pacing around, just pacing back and forth like a like a caged lion. And somebody said, "What is what is the trouble, Mr. Brooks?" And here's what his statement: and I quote, he said, "The trouble is that I'm in a hurry, but God isn't." And we find ourselves like that many times, don't we? I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. And I wonder how many times, though. Do we throw in the towel when we're right on the verge of our need being met? Think about that. How, how many times do we stop praying when the answer to our prayer was just one more prayer away? Give up too soon. How often do you give up on a dream when the dream was just about to be realized? I wonder what your faith looks like, and I, I, I wonder what your patience looks like. Because we find in the Bible that rarely is one scene being fruitful without the other. Did you hear that? Rarely will you see faith and patience operating apart from one another. Hebrews 10 verse 36, the only verse we're going to read today. We're going to pick this part. For you have need of patience so that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now, break that down. Break that down for you. I think that in order to correctly understand that verse, you almost have to tackle it backwards. I don't mean reading it like promise the receive might you God of will the done backwards. I'm talking about that you almost have to take this verse and go backwards for it to really make sense. So without trying to do damage to context, let me go back and, and try to tell you what this looks like to me. It looks like to me that you're going to, re- might there means may or will, 
so that you will receive the promise. You will receive the promise after you've done the will of God. So you have need of patience. Better way to understand that. You know, last week we, we talked about, how many of you here were last week, or you at least had an opportunity to hear that message? We talked about the, the, the power of the prayer of faith. And then we talked about who is it that's qualified to pray that prayer? Who is qualified to pray the kind of prayers that are productive and powerful? Today I want to take that another step further. And I want to talk about how it is that sometimes people who pray might be praying those prayers but because they don't pray them long enough, they don't realize the answer because they give up on it too soon. Uh, you know, there, there's some people that are that are physically ill and, and they've prayed, but because the answer hasn't come quick enough, they, they've just decided, well, this must be God's will for my life. I'm just, just going to succumb to this illness. When perhaps miraculous healing was on the way. Or somebody that was going through a, a season of, of financial testing and they just say, well, I guess it's just God's will for us to be broke. I'm going to quit working at it. I'm going to quit trying. I'm going to quit praying. I'm going to quit giving. I'm going to quit, right? How about those individuals who decided to start tithing and they did it for a week or two. And, and when they didn't see a huge financial miracle within those first two weeks, they said, oh, tithing must not work or it's not for me. Here's something that you need to understand about when you sow a seed of any kind. Whether you're sowing a seed of prayer or a seed of tithe or if you're sowing a seed uh, into a relationship, something that people need to understand that we don't really get in our microwave generation is this. If you grow a garden, you would know that if you read the back of the package of the seeds, it will say to you that when you plant these seeds, you might as well hang on between 60 and 90 days because nothing's going to grow. That's basically what the back of the package says. But we sow a seed and say, okay, tomorrow, Lord, I'm going to pay my tithe today. And then in faith, I believe that I'm going to go to the mailbox tomorrow and I'm going to receive a huge check out there. And God's like, you haven't even planted the seed yet. Any seed has got to be given the time. It's a good seed. How can you tell a good seed? A good seed is going to grow and produce something. But did you know that a good seed has to die before it produces? And so you sow a good seed in the ground. And then you have to wait for that thing to die and then then god does what god does because there's only so much we can do god god takes over the ground and the sun and the water and all the see god doesn't tell us to produce anything god tells us to sow a seed and then god takes over and he does everything else that happens from there but it takes a little while for anything that you plant to go through the process of dying coming back to life finally growing enough to break through the ground and then one day you look at there and you see a little green sprig and you get so excited. Oh, we're going to have tomatoes this year. We're going to have cucumbers. They're coming up. But even after you see the sprig, you wait. Not just days, not weeks. A couple of months that you wait 
Until finally you go out one day and at this point you've got a plant that's growing and you've got leaves all over. And at some point you've even had some flowers. And one day you walk out there and you look at your tomato plants. There's a little bitty tomato. You're like, we're going to have tomatoes. There they are. It's starting. Takes a long time, doesn't it? But spiritually, we have a hard time equating that. But everything that God has created, there's, there's symbolism in that between the spiritual and the physical. There are laws that God has set up. And so, and so when we try to, we try to sow this seed of, of prayer, we say, I'm going to pray this prayer of faith and believe God. And God says, pray that prayer, keep praying it. Keep on praying. Because last week, remember, we said the, 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 the earnest, urgent prayer of righteous people will be very powerful and we be very productive. So keep praying that prayer. But we sow the seed and then we pray for three days. And because we don't have tomatoes. Well, that must not have been God's will. That, you know, God, I need to be miraculously healed in my body. We're going to pray anoint and pray with oil. We'll say, okay, well, I heard that God miraculously immediately touches people. Well, he does. Sometimes he does that, but sometimes he doesn't. God can answer miraculously at times, but most of the time, did you hear me? Most of the time, he's going to let us go through a learning, growing, dying to self season so that our immediate need is not just met, but that also our character is strengthened by the desperation and the reliance on God during the whole season. There's more good coming from this than just tomatoes. There's a life that's going to be stronger and strengthened and bettered by the process of, at some point, the fruit showing up. Mm. So what does your patience look like? Faith and patience are partners. Let me give you a definition, a working, kind of a working definition of both faith and patience. Faith, Augustine said many years ago, he said, faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward of faith is to see what we believe. So the word here means belief or assurance. Patience. This one takes a little longer. Patience means to endure or to continue. But, but when you take the word patience as it's used in, in our context, it's a Greek word, and it, it, it's a Greek word is made up of two different words, and they're compounded together in order to form a picture so that the people uh, who were reading this or hearing this would have had a picture in their mind when this word was given to them. And I'm going to tell you what that picture was. The first word in the compound is this. The first word means under. We're talking about patience. The first word there meant under, and the second word means stay. And so the author's painting this picture. He says we need patience or we need determination to stay under the load that is placed on us. Faith is ability to believe that it's going to come to pass. But patience is the ability to stay under the burden or under the load of that thing until it does. Hmm. 
So there's a, there's a picture that's being painted here uh, of, a, of a person who's under a heavy load, but they're determined that they're going to stay put in this one spot no matter how long it takes to win the victory. Nothing's going to move them. Nobody's going to persuade them. Whatever the cost, he or she is, is having done everything else. Understand now what the Scripture's talking about. Having done everything else, now this person is committed to stand still. Have you ever heard that? S- to stand still and wait or see the victory of the Lord. They're going to stand still and they're going to wait until God gives the victory. Now that's hard because the very first thing that we do when we get under a heavy load is what? Try to give it to somebody else. And if they won't take it, we're just trying to dump it off somewhere, aren't we? Think about the last heavy thing you picked up. As soon as you picked it up, what were you thinking of? Putting it down. How far do I got to go before I get to lay this down? That's how our minds work. Strength comes from carrying heavy objects for long periods of time. But flesh says... It's not as much fun to be strong as it is to be weak. Because weak doesn't take much. Strong takes carrying a heavy load. Strong means that I am going to stay under this load and in this one spot until God comes and takes this load off of me. And most people don't have that kind of patience. Let's talk about for a minute, why are these seasons necessary? Have you ever been in one of those seasons? Maybe you're in that season right now. You're under a heavy load. You've been praying a prayer. You've been dealing with an illness. You've been dealing with a a, a physical ailment. You've been dealing with a financial situation. You've been dealing with a a problem with a relationship. Whatever the case might be, you've been standing under a heavy load, and you're saying, why do seasons like these exist? Why are they necessary? Because the very first thing we do, guys, when we get in a bad situation is what? What do our prayers sound like when we get in that situation? God, fix this now. Heal me now. Not after I've learned what you wanted me to learn. Deliver me now. Not after I'm stronger for having born. God, do this now. I got to get relief now. And God's like, well, you really don't need it like you think you do. I'm going to try to build up those quads and I'm going to try to build up those calf muscles a little bit while you're standing up underneath this. I'm going to see if I can't work on those shoulders and those traps a little bit. You don't think you can stay up under this load, but you can actually carry this load longer than what you think you can. When you get to where I know you can't anymore, then this is a good word. Not because I'm preaching it. I'm just telling you what it said. Why are these seasons necessary? There's three reasons why they're necessary. In a minute, I'm going to get to, I'm going to, get to what we need to do, but I want to, you need to understand why these things happen before we get to what we're going to put on the screen. The first reason that these seasons are necessary is because, number one, the devil does not want God's will for your life. He wants to destroy you. So that's why these seasons come. Initially, he thinks he's the one doing this. He puts a load on you, he thinks. Isn't that funny? The devil says, I'm going to strike so-and-so with this, or I'm going to put this load on them. And God's like, well, you can think whatever you want, but devil, you can think whatever you want. First of all, they're mine. I wouldn't let you put anything on them that I won't let you put on them. And besides, that's really my will for it, and I'm going to work something great out of it. But think what you want. 
we give far too much credit to the devil. The devil does all kinds of stuff. Really, our Father in heaven knows what we have need of before we even ask. He got the devil in check. He's had him in check all along. But the reason that these seasons take place, first for the first part, is because the devil, who thinks he's got some kind of control, he wants to destroy you. So the reason he puts this on you is so that you will crumble, fail, and fall. That's why he does what he does. There's a second reason why these seasons are necessary. The second reason is this, because we as people don't want to deny ourselves. We want comfort, not challenge. We want pleasure, not power. We want flesh, not faith. We don't want to go through these type seasons, so that's why they're necessary. So first of all, the devil's doing, he's doing what he does. Secondly, we're trying to get out of everything we can. And the third reason that these seasons take place is because God does not want you to have small, unchallenged faith. He wants you to be strong and confident in him. And he knows that can't happen unless you have to carry some weight. So if those three things are going on, the devil don't like you. You like yourself. But God loves you more. Isn't that good? So what do we need? First of all, we need renewed minds. This is what we talked about last week. Remember, we need to be well. Our minds need to be well. How are we going to get our mind right? Do you remember the equation? You still remember it? Repent, request, what? Recover. What are they? Repent, request. We're going to repent for the sin, confess that fault to one another. We're going to pray for each other so that we may be healed. And in this way, we're going to be made well in every way. In this way, we're going to get our mind right. And now we come to this place in this message where we can now take that mind, which has been renewed. And here's what happens with a renewed mind. You're able to ask prayers in faith, not wavering. People with well minds pray faithful prayers that don't waver. They pray stable prayers. So the first thing we need here is a renewed mind. We're not going to stay long on that because that's what last week was about. If you don't know about it, then you need to go listen to it. Number two, we need focused faith. We need faith that never moves, that never questions. Because I, I tell you guys, I'm not there a lot of times on this one. I mean, I, I, I'll have, I, I got faith when it comes right down to it from my knowledge of the word and the experience that I've been in. But I still haven't gotten to that place where I never question. I may not move, but I will still question. At some point, when the load gets heavy enough, I'm not going anywhere. But Lord, I really am starting to question why this is necessary, where are you at, and when is this going to be over? But if my mind gets right and my faith gets focused, I'll start to become that person that never moves or questions. And thirdly, I need mature patience. This is the patience we're talking about that holds up and endures. When you have this kind of patience, listen to this statement. It's not a question of if you win. It's only a question of when you will win.
Here's what we need to do. I wish you could see this picture. I, I, I wish every one of you could get a hold of whatever that thing is, whatever that answer is, whatever that prayer is, whatever that promise is, whatever that thing is that you're going after right now. I wish you could, in the spirit, see yourself wrapping your arms of faith around that promise and clinging tightly to that thing and digging in your heels and refusing to be moved. For how long? Here's the key word, until. Tomorrow? Next week? Next Sunday? No. Until. Until. Let me tell you a story. There's a, there's a fellow named John Emmons, and he wrote about, he had studied, and he wrote about the African Impala. And I, I thought this was really an ama- some amazing things that he, that he deduced from his study of the, this amazing animal, and that was... He said that the African Impala can jump, check this out, can jump over 10 feet high and go 30 feet long. Wow. First of all, not many things can jump 10 feet high. And can't nothing go 30 feet after it does. But here's what's so amazing about these impalas. These African impalas are in zoos all over the place. And a lot of zoos, you know what they do with them? They put them in an enclosure with a fence that's three feet high. This thing can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet long. But they put them in an enclosure with a three-foot wall fence. Why? Because they have learned that if the impala cannot see where it's going to land, it won't jump. If it can't see on the other side of that wall where it's going to end up, it won't jump. You're way ahead of me, aren't you? There's a lot of flimsy enclosures in life that fear attempts to use to trap us. And because we can't see where our feet are going to land, we tell ourselves to stay in bad places. It's safer here, even though it's not good. It's familiar here, even though it's not good. But I'm not so sure that out there would be better than here, so... I think I'll just stay here and hurt. I'll stay here and suffer. I'll stay here and not move. I'll stay here and be safe. Hmm. Flesh will attempt to keep you in a cage. Flesh will always tell you to play it safe and accept loss and never attempt to leave a bad place. But faith will tell you something different. Faith will tell you, yes, this is going to be a challenge. Yes, it will be a difficult season. But go ahead and jump. Because there will be a place to land. And once you land, plant and stay under the load. I want you to see it this way. Here's how this whole season works. You get your mind right and you hear the voice of God. Right. When your mind is well and you're thinking clearly and you're hearing the voice of God, then you 
do what he tells you to do. See, some folks never get past point one because they never do get past the enclosures or the sins in their life. They never get well, so they never move on past phase one. But once you get past last week, now you're to the place where you're hearing God say, I want you to do this. And so you say, okay, I'm going to jump. Now that's not over. It's not over yet. The, 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 the good word here is that once you jump and land, there will be a place to land. And, and it's, it ain't no telling what it's going to look like. It might be a ledge that you land. There'll be some place to land. It might be a ledge. But then here's what happens. Now the word says, since you have planted on that ledge, now then stay right here under whatever load it is that you got to carry on this ledge until. That's patience. You're starting to see how this works. So God gives you a vision or God gives you a dream. God gives you a call. How am I going to make that happen? How am I ever going to get there? First of all, you're not going to. How am I ever going to get where God wants me to go? What's going to have to happen? I'm going to have to get my mind right, keep my mind right so I can hear the voice of God. Once I'm sure that it's him speaking, at some point he's going to tell me to jump in faith. I'm going to jump and wherever I land, I'm going to plant and I'm going to stay there with this load on my back until God takes it. That might mean God's calling you to college. And you're about to, you know what it's like, those of you that went to college, you know what that cost. Or God is telling you to enter into a relationship with someone and you both of you know this, this is the Lord, but you're scared of where that might lead. Or, or God is telling you to, to, to take faith and, and jump away from what's been safe into a new job. Or God is telling you to do a ministry. He wants you to do a ministry. You haven't ever done it yet. But now all of a sudden you're receiving clarity because you've been getting your mind right. And you're starting to, things are clearing up and it's not going away. And, 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 and you look at it and you say, wow, this is going to demand me to make a really leap of faith here. Once you jump and plant and stay there at some point when it's time. God will show up and he'll take that burden or he'll provide that healing or he'll bless those finances or he'll give you the job or he'll heal your marriage or whatever it else is, is that the need might be. God will come through for you. But here's what has to happen on our part. We have to make some choices. Let me tell you real quickly, I, I, I talk about my journey a lot because it's the only one I've ever been on. People say, why do you talk about yourself so much? I don't know anybody else as well. I wish I could tell your stories. Please share your stories with me so I can humiliate you like I do myself. But most don't. So I'm thinking about this word and how does it apply? What is practical application? And I started thinking about our family's journey here at Trinity. Started 23 years ago. You've heard part of the story. If you've ever been here very long at all, you've heard bits and pieces. But 23 years ago, both Deb and I and the board of deacons at this church had a serious decision to make. 23 years ago, I was 30 years old. And I had a five-year-old and a three-year-old. I was on staff at another church where that I that I was the associate pastor. It was a large. It was a church of over a thousand people. And 
I was in a completely different situation, though th- this didn't matter to me, but I was in a completely different situation as far as financially. I was on the same kind of plan that the pastor was on. It was a percentage plan so that, man, I was getting raises every six months because the church is just blowing up, and that's how they were paying us, is if the church grew and the finances grew, they gave us a percentage. Now, whether you agree with that or not, that's why they did it. I chose not to do that here of my own volition. When they asked me, I didn't, I didn't want to do that because I don't want to be motivated that way. But it was happening there. I was making a lot of money for that day back in then, right? The Lord said to me, I've called you to Fayetteville. And he gave me a promise. He said, you're going to go to Fayetteville. You're going to reach the campus, the University of Arkansas. And he gave me another promise. I'm going to tell you what the rest of it was because I don't want you to know how I'm motivated. I don't want you to know what I'm thinking. But all of those are things that God said he was going to do, not things that I was going to do. For two years, I couldn't get here. The only, the only Assembly of God church in Fayetteville that was, that was really doing anything was Fayetteville First Assembly. Sam Witt was down there, and, he was, and they, were, they had a great ministry down there. But all the other AG churches in this area were really struggling. And, and Trinity was one of them. Had a big old 500-seat sanctuary. And, and just, a, you know, uh, if you could have gotten everybody together on Easter, there would have been 135 of us. So that meant that on normal Sundays, there were 75 people at church. But the Lord had told me something he was going to do, and I, I wanted to see it, and I wasn't afraid to, to take a chance. And so when this deacon board, who they took a chance, I want you to think about this leaping in faith. They were taking one, too. I'd never been a senior pastor. I was 30 years old, no experience, young. They knew I didn't know nothing. But they still were willing to hear the will of God, to take a leap of faith, and to stand under a burden while I figured it out. And those deacons did that. And while they were doing that, so were Deb and I. We came to Trinity. How about this? We came to Trinity with the promise of one year. We got voted in for one year, guys. How many of you all will take a job and move your family away from something where you're making good money? You would take your family and move away for a job that was paying you $200 a week less with no insurance. With the promise of having that job for one year. But I've never been very smart. Just, I just like a good fight. And I like a good challenge. I said, I'll do that for a year. They said, we'll take a chance. We'll give you a year. One year later, with all of our savings gone, all of our money shot, we didn't have enough money to get together to get out of the rental house that was stealing every dime we had. We didn't have enough money to move. We didn't have enough money to pay attention. But one year later, that deacon board, they said, so what do you think? It's been a year. And I said, well, you know what you got. I said, if you're willing to put up with me, I'll go again. They said, how long you want to stay this time? They said, you want to put it in indefinite? And I said, no, I need more pressure than that. Just give me three more years. But they said, but I said, you know, for the next three years, you're going to get some more of what you've had for the last year. It's going to be the same. So they said, okay, they gave me three more years. And we as a board and a staff, in that first year, the church grew from probably 75 or so 
up to about 125. And a year and a half into it, we had enough. We had 135 people here. We hired our first full-time staff person. And, and all of that time, guys, and ever since then, then and ever since then, both I and the staff and the board and the leaders of the church have stood on various ledges holding weights. We've jumped lots of times since then. Somebody said, you can buy all that property out back out there for $100,000. You can buy four acres for $100,000. $100,000 22 years ago was a lot of money in this town, especially when it wasn't doing what it's doing around here now. But we said, well, we might need that. I mean, we've, we've got about three or four acres here. It might be good to have that property. So we went out in faith and bought that land where now is a driveway and parking lots and a gym. A couple years later, they said, let's jump again, and we built that building over there. It was a big jump when the fire burned this one down, and they said, let's go into a $4.6 million project with 300 people. And God miraculously provided all but 1.1 million of that. Shannon was handling the insurance back then. Deb had got the policy. We didn't even know what we had. We had a $3 million policy, and we were going to try to get, we, our goal was like, can we get at least 2.5? I don't know how many hours Shannon spent count, counting pencils, trying to find everything and content he could think of. There was a magnet in that one room. There was a pencil in that other one. I think there was a pencil sharpener back in the nursery. He spent days and months and months, and that guy, he ended up getting $3.1 million out of a $3 million policy. Go, Shannon earned his keep around here, don't you? 3.1 out of 4.6. That left 1.5, but 300 people can't handle 1.5. So what are they going to do? So we started going to work on the budget, and we started figuring out how to save some money around here. We cut another, I don't know, we cut another $300,000 out of what the building was going to cost. And then we went to work, and that that group of 300 people raised a million dollars in three years above tithes. And now today, for those of you that have just joined us, just so you can see the miraculous hand of God, now this is a facility, buildings and property of all that's worth between 6 and $7 million. And currently this church has $160,000 worth of debt that we could go down and pay tomorrow if we cared to, but, we, but we're not because we're just doing other things with ministry money instead of putting it all on that. But we've got less of a payment right now than most of you are paying for your house. Yeah. I didn't do that. Deacons didn't do that. You didn't do that. God did that. But God did that when he said, get your mind right. Jump. Plant. Stay there underneath that load. Until. How does that apply to your life? Let's conclude. Here's what I would challenge you with. I want you to pick some things. Pick challenge over comfort. Pick power over pleasure. Pick obedience over safety. Pick patience over ease. 
pick faith over flesh. And all of a sudden, Hebrews 10.36 starts making sense. For you have need of patience so that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. That's what Hebrews 10 verse 36 means. I'm going to have to repent, request, recover. Then I'm going to have to think, jump, and plant. Can you remember all that? Think, I'm going to get my mind right. Jump in faith when God says go. And plant and stay underneath this load. Until God tells me something different. I'm going to have to repent. Request. Recover. Think. Jump. And plant. And I will see the promise of God come to pass. You ready to pray? You ready to pray again? Is the Holy Spirit quickening something to you? Are you hearing something in your spirit? Is something getting past your flesh, getting to your faith this morning? Something making its way past your mind into your heart? Have you been afraid to move on something that God's been telling you to move on? I don't know how to make it any more simple than what we've done the last two weeks. How can we make it any more simple? Get your mind right and keep your mind right. And just jump. There'll be a place for you to land on. And plant on that spot until. How long do I stay there, Pastor, until God comes through? And here's what's going to happen. And this is the fun part, not the part that discourages you. The fun part is this. That after you have planted there and held under this burden long enough that God says you can jump. Then God will say, Jump again. Until someday you look back and you realize you've accomplished the will of God for your life and your faith is strong. I've been jumping and planting for years and years and years and God never let me down. He never will. I'm hoping that everybody used last week to get per, first past the first part, which was the, this obstacle of our mind, was to get our mind right. I hope we already got there. So today, we're talking to two groups of people, some who God is telling to jump, who need to jump, and some who have jumped and planted, but they need to be reminded to stay there until. Some about to jump, some need to plant. Either way, Either way, tomatoes are coming. They're coming. It just takes a while. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. Man, our our circumstances are so varied. They're so varied. But yet all of us find ourselves someplace in the cycle of this word. And I pray, oh God, today these last two weeks that they will get in our heart God that they'll get in our soul and our lives will be changed by it I pray in Jesus name 
if this is your word today, I, I, I'm not going to call you out. But if it's your word and God is saying to you, I want you to jump or else God is saying to you, I want you to plant. Then I want you to come and find yourself a place. Come on, I want you to respond to the word today. Get up physically, get up out of your seat and walk down here. And let, and let faith and patience, let faith and patience be partners right now. Faith and patience are going to be partners in your life. I want you to get up from your seat. I want you to come down here. Find yourself a place to kneel at these altars. How many of you will come and, and join these now? Come and pray with these who are down here. Let's fill these altars up. Can we do that? It's time for us to pray. Church needs to pray. We need to pray in power. How many of you will come now and join these? And find yourself a place around these seats or around these altars, around these steps, around this building, wherever it is that you want to pray. But let's take this moment to commit the word of God to our heart. Remember the we learned last week, thy word have I hid in my heart so that I won't sin against you. God, I want to get this word in my head and then I'm going to get it from my head into my heart so that I can do what it says. I don't want to just know it. I want to do it. I want to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Find yourself a place and pray. They lead us in this final song today.